Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include a brief look at margin calls, my interview with Rob Chrisman on the types of emails he receives and the best parties from yesteryear in the mortgage industry, and why bond yields soared to open the week. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Candor. With Candor's machine as an underwriter, Lenders are modernizing their manufacturing infrastructure, making them immune to margin, capacity, and staffing challenges forever. The mortgage industry has come a long way from March of 2020, when the Federal Reserve pledged to buy unlimited amounts of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities to stabilize the credit markets. The Fed started to shrink its balance sheet earlier this summer, and at the start of this month ramped up to a reduction rate of $95 billion per month, $60 billion of treasuries, and $35 billion of mortgage-backed securities, with plans to end its purchases of mortgage-backed securities from early payoff proceeds next week. The Fed's actions in March 2020 helped stave off margin calls for many lenders, though several European countries are now providing billions of euros in margin call support to European energy companies that need at least $1.5 trillion to cover the cost of their exposure to soaring gas prices. Margin calls eat into companies' capital, and mortgage companies need all the cash they can get in this higher interest rate environment that has shocked borrower demand and subdued sales. Time on the market for homes increased in August for the first time in 26 months, and the post-Labor Day slowdown is expected to be a little more intense this year than the tight market of 2020 and 2021. Fortunately, capital equity, the amount a homeowner can borrow against while keeping a 20% equity stake, hit its 10th consecutive quarterly record high in the second quarter at $11.5 trillion. Bring on those cash-out refinances. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back onto the show my dad, Rob Chrisman, to talk about some of, uh, well, probably some things you wondered about his daily routine and answering emails, as well as some of his experiences from the olden days in the mortgage industry. So we are now in September after I would say what, what's been a rough first eight months of the year for the mortgage industry. Does it feel like a changing of the seasons in terms of what could be on the horizon? Does it feel like more of the same and we're going to keep seeing the industry struggle for the foreseeable future? What, uh, what do you, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Traditionally things in the Northern hemisphere tend to slow down a little bit as we get into autumn and then winter. And with real estate, of course, the traditional buying season is the spring and then summer as young families try to move themselves into school districts or because those families are expanding, move to a different house within the school district, whatever it might be. So we have seen an increase of inventory on the market, and we are now faced with the autumn. And frankly, it's hard to believe that August is is in the record books, but the traditional slowdown this year is actually being feared quite a bit by lenders from coast to coast namely because the potential buyers have been scared off by the press press releases of 
the real estate market slowing down or values going down. And the fact that refis have nearly vanished, or I should say rate and term refis have vanished, leaving cash out refis or leaving companies that are doing HELOCs and seconds to, uh, to do those. So it's a little bit of a tough situation because normally year in and year out, as purchases die down toward the end of summer and into autumn, the refi business is pretty steady. This year, however, we've done such a great job of refinancing the nation that the refis have not picked up. And if you look at recent mortgage application data from the MBA, you can see that everything's down quite a bit across the board. And for the year, a lot of companies are saying, well, our volume is going to be down 50%. And we managed to cut staff and cut costs, but we're still looking at, you know, with volume down 50%, we're still looking at a situation where we'll be lucky if we break even for 2022 for the year. And so, you know, I, I don't think anybody thinks the sun is going to break through the clouds. I don't think anybody has any reason why the sun would break through the clouds for residential lenders. So we are sitting here wondering what might come next. And that's a tough position to be in. If you're looking at the overall origination volume for the mortgage industry, and say it's the same year over year, say it's $2 trillion in one year and the next year it's $2 trillion in originations again, but home prices have gone up 8 10% over that year, does that, you know, that means companies are doing eight to 10% less deals. They're just making up for it in higher home values. Does that bother companies or or do they just care about overall dollar volume? No, because if I ask you, Robbie, Robbie, would you rather do one loan for a million dollars and make a point or would you rather do 10 $100,000 loans and make you know the, the corresponding amount a point on each one the answer is clearly bigger, bigger loan amount because less overhead and expenses yes exactly you'd rather do the one loan and on top of that down the road you have less servicing costs or less potential buyback risk traditionally just because it's a probability game and doing the one loan well versus 10 loans in a hurried fashion can create problems down the road. And so you have a a situation where you go to a conference and typically it's like, how much volume did you, how much did you do last month? How much did you do last quarter? Whatever it is, volume is an easy thing to talk about. What nobody talks about in the hallways of conferences is what are your margins like? What does your P&L look like? How's your revenue compared to last year? It's always volume because it's easy. It's easy for people to see, oh, we did 10 million. Oh, we did a hundred million. But, you know, I can't think of anybody who wouldn't rather do fewer loans and make just as much money as doing more loans. It just doesn't give you the bragging rights at conferences. If rates were at record lows in 2020 or 2021 and all this refinance volume happened, those same borrowers are unlikely to refinance until rates get lower than that. Or 
maybe not even refinance ever because it would take maybe a half percentage point or, or seven eighths of a percentage point for them to consider refinancing. Does this mean over time rates that when we hit lows in rates, they they will keep getting lower and lower naturally? I mean, we look at how high rates were in the 80s and they've worked their way down. Does it does it seem like due to economics of servicing that rates inevitably have to keep hitting record lows and will keep hitting record lows? That's a interesting question. That is the crux of so much discouragement as we head into the autumn or winter because nobody wants a pandemic or I should say another pandemic. Nobody wants a recession. And arguably those are the two drivers of of lower rates. And so if you ask some loan officer or some broker or some originator or anybody in the business, hey, do you want lower rates? Absolutely, I want lower rates, they would say. Well, take it one step further and ask them, what would make rates go lower? Let's make it a multiple choice question. A, pandemic. B, recession. C, the Federal Reserve to to start back up their quantitative easing plan and buying billions of dollars of MBS and treasuries every day. I don't think anybody wants any of those things. And so we are in a situation where really the chance of rates going lower, I think, is, is not great unless you believe there's going to be a recession. A real recession may not happen until 2023. So the question is, Do companies have enough earnings, enough retained earnings from the last couple of years in an environment where all they want to do is break even? Can they can they gut it out until next year? And that's that's a big question for a lot of lenders. It sounds like maybe I need to ask my original question to an economist about the about rates actually being forced to get lower and lower to incentivize loan volume in a way. But anyways, let's let's continue on things that you are an expert at. People are dying to know. What do you do all day? The funny answer is not much. I work about Well, there's always there's always truth and humor, so go on. Yeah, some people come up to me and say, Rob, what do you do all day? That commentary thing can't take more than a half hour, 45 minutes a day. In which case I tell them, well, it takes a little more than that. <laughs> but I I spend a lot of time helping people through email or through phone calls who in this environment are needing career advice, looking for jobs. They're out of a job. They, they need help making contacts. They will email me, hey, Rob, do you know anybody at ABC? And I try to introduce them and point them in the right direction because I always think that if I were in their position and they're reaching out for help, they must need help. If they get a hold of my phone number or send me an email, they need help. And if I needed help, I would want somebody on the other line or at the other end of the email to try to do what they could to help. And so... I spend a lot of my day doing that. I spend a lot of my day going through emails that uh, from from various sources that aren't as important. 
And I spend a lot of time looking at news and, and trying to figure out what trends are going on and looking at investor announcements and, and writing the commentary and trying to figure out if I was a loan officer there in you know, Wichita, Kansas, what's important to me? What matters to me? And putting that in the commentary. It's been known for some time that this industry could use some young blood. Would you recommend someone who's young and looking for a job to join the mortgage industry at this point, especially with what we're about to go through? Or is now a, I mean, is now a great time to join the industry? Or what what are your thoughts on that? I would say yes. And let me explain why I would say yes about joining this business. You have an older cohort in this industry that has seen enough, heard enough, done enough. And I think many of those people are just tired of the industry and do they want to go through another business cycle? So they may be leaving. On top of that, you have a fair amount of new technology that has been introduced in recent years that I think somebody coming into the industry will adapt too quickly versus somebody who's been in the industry 10 or 20 or 50 years. And so it's easier for somebody new to, to adapt that. And they won't go to a conference and talk about what countrywide guarantee fees were like in 1998. They don't care. They care about what's going on now and they're good at it. And somebody who's younger will appeal to first-time homebuyers. They may appeal to underserved markets more so than somebody who's, who's been around for, for decades. And lastly, we're in a good industry. We help millions of people every year. And I know it's easy to get down in the dumps about what's going on in the industry and oh my gosh, you know, rates are rates are so high and there's no business and so forth. And I do sympathize with so many originators, so many companies who are dealing with that, but there are going to be home loans every day, every week, every year, and somebody's got to do them. Nobody in this industry gets an overwhelming market share of business. There's a lot of business to go around, it's just a matter of how you do it and how you approach it and having the right attitude. There might be some wholesalers out there that get a big chunk of the business, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about market cycles. And when times are good, times are good in this industry. What is the most noteworthy or memorable party you've been to at a conference? What, what comes to mind when I say that? What's, what's peak excess that you've experienced? So back in the late 80s and early 90s, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had some wonderful parties in that there would be the you know, shrimp and crab and prawn table, or you'd go a little bit further down the row and, and there would be the chocolate fountain with all kinds of things to dip into the chocolate volcano that was you know bubbling forth delicious chocolate and they were well attended and 
it was just a good, it was a good party. It was a good party the agencies threw. And of course, when we went into, when they went into conservatorship, that went by the wayside because the last thing a government institution wants to do is throw a high flying party. But I would say that they put on some of the best parties in, in the, like I say, in the uh, late 80s and into the 90s. How could you go against our man Pitt? Pitbull on the USS Freedom or Freedom Mortgage, San Diego. Maybe that's a recency bias, but I don't know how much better it gets than Mr. Worldwide, straight from the 305. <laughs> Raise the roof for Pitbull. No, I thought that Pitbull, you're not asking about the what the best concert concert I've ever seen. You were asking about the best party. I wouldn't say the Pitbull event at the National NBA in San Diego was the best party I've ever been to. And the NBA party, or I should say the NBA conference is coming up in October, which is just next month in Nashville. We'll have some, some good entertainment as well. But you were asking about parties. All right. I, I think that's a fair point. Then let, what is the best performer you have ever seen at a mortgage related event i'd say keith urban all right well thank you for that sure bond yield soared read mortgage rates rose to open the trading week on the views the federal reserve will stay hawkish with aggressive rate hikes as it seeks to tamp down inflation there was also some chatter of the fed potentially stepping up its balance sheet reduction efforts this month Data on the day yesterday included a stronger-than-expected ISM non-manufacturing index for August, which increased from July to mark the 27th straight month of growth for the services sector. Business activity for the non-manufacturing sector accelerated slightly at the same time there was a deceleration in the pace of price increases. That follows reports last week that consumer confidence rose in August as present and future concerns about inflation have eased from recent elevated levels. The ISM Manufacturing Index last week held steady at 52.8% in August. However, new orders from overseas fell into contraction territory as the strong U.S. dollar as well as weakening economies are taking their toll. Prices in the manufacturing sector have declined to their lowest levels in two years. Residential construction fell 1.5% in July and single-family construction declined 4%. While there are pockets of cooling in the economic data, it may not yet be enough for the Fed to change its course with regard to interest rates following this month's FOMC meeting. Weekly mortgage applications from the NBA led off today's calendar, decreasing 0.8% from one week earlier for the week ending September 2nd. Activity was expected to remain near the record lows, with 30-year mortgage rates during the reporting period rising to above 6%, according to Bankrate and Mortgage News Daily. We've also received the July trade deficit in at negative $90.19 billion, when expectations were for a negative $70 billion mark versus negative $79.6 billion previously. Later this morning brings Redbook same-store sales, remarks from multiple Fed speakers, and the Fed will release the latest beige book in the afternoon ahead of the September 20th and 21st FOMC meeting. Today's MBS purchase schedule sees the desk in UMBS 15s for up to $122 million, 4% and 4.5%. Also, the agencies will begin releasing August prepayments this afternoon. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth, and the 10-year yielding 3.31 after closing yesterday at 3.33%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. My wife said, you really have no sense of direction, do you? I replied, where did that come from? (laughs) 
Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Candor. With Candor's machine as an underwriter, lenders modernize their manufacturing infrastructure, making them immune to margin, capacity, and staffing challenges forever. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.